0: the world's best, and only, sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt.
1: Hey, what's going on? right, so, uh,
0: this is the second week of the fall season, and we're going to be covering every currently airing sports anime. Uh, We've got nine currently airing sports anime to cover, so we're just going to jump right in with those that premiered ...on Saturday. So we're going to start with Days. This is actually the third episode of Days in its new season. And it continues to be a relative improvement. What did you think, Matt?
1: I am actually not in agreement with that. I okay. actually did not care for the episode. Alright, well then I guess I'll just go first.
0: <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting comparing this to the first season where they had a, a a training camp from hell episode but it was just that it was an episode that basically served the purpose of demonstrating that Sukimoto had gotten really good at running um in this training camp which is allegedly the the same training camp but is run completely differently uh they're focusing more on simulated games and a lot of the focus in this episode is on Sukamoto playing a couple games and also realizing his shortcomings. He gets put in defense and forced to, to play as a defender for the first time and uh, talk to um, Haibara, who is a senior, apparently, <laughs> who <laughs> we've seen in the show but haven't really heard from much before, who's a, who's a defender, uh, so Sukamoto can learn about defense and help him uh, advance. Uh, that's sort of the the thrust of the episode. I guess what I liked about it was that it... I think my my evaluation of Days is all relative, right? Right. So I enjoy an episode of Days when it's less bad than it has been. Okay,
1: and I will absolutely agree with you there. It is still less bad. My apologies when you were saying it was a relative improvement. I was reading that still as good.
0: Yeah. Days is never going to be unambiguously good, in all right. likelihood. It is too far down the rabbit hole of underdeveloped characters <laughs> and uh, an irrational system that promotes Tsukamoto ahead of everyone else. Um, but that being said, I thought I thought it was interesting to see him play a new position. I thought that defense is probably a good way for him to learn new skills. And it felt like the coach's rationale had a little more basis than it often does often their coach seems to be just an insane person who does things for no reason (laughs) um but he did sukamoto did learn a lot about um how playing on defense works and it was it was okay again like the, the the issues i have with days are pretty systematic at this point um, right they try to introduce and develop another character in this case it's Haibara. Right. Um, also they try to make Ubikata seem like she has more of a relationship with with the first years than we have ever seen before and they try and do it without blinking you know they they they, they don't acknowledge the fact that right. it's ridiculous that you're introducing someone in the fifteenth episode, right? Of, yeah, exactly. Of a Twenty-four episode show <laughs> and trying to pretend like that's normal,
1: like that they're just they've just been a recurring member of the cast all this time.
0: Yeah. So what did what did you think?
1: I so my big takeaway from this episode was that I felt Hibara was a far more interesting character than Sukumoto. Oh yeah. And I actually am kind of mad that he is not the main focus of the series.
0: Yeah. I mean almost anyone would be better than Sukamoto, but Hypero right, would it, be particularly good.
1: But especially because he feels a lot more like how Sukamoto should act, I feel like. Right. He's going through old footage of of games, he's studying them, he's trying to do see and do what he can improve. He reminded me a lot of Maruo from Baby Steps in that regard, yeah. And he, it's just a much more interesting approach to see a character who is actively going out of their way to do things to improve themselves, rather than just constantly running. He also got a pretty sin- sincere and genuine laugh out of me when he did that giant across the field drop kick against Dr- Tsukamoto. Yeah, i
0: I I agree. It's funny because yeah. Now now that you bring it up. There, there's a point at which he's watching old footage of the game, and Sukimoto like covers his eyes because he doesn't want to see how bad he is. Right. He- Hibara sort of looks at, at him. He's like, "If you're not going to study your own mistakes, how do you think you'll improve?" And <laughs> because just, "What?" You know, he, he's sort of baffled by the concept of studying his mistakes to improve. It's like, see, this Sukimoto like, this is the whole issue you have to be beaten over the head and other people tell you how to learn because the only thing you're good at is running indefinitely. Right. Um, the, the other issue I had with it is that it seemed pretty clear to me that Tsukamoto is better suited to be on defense, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, because his whole thing is that he just sticks to people. He yeah. He's like a dog who just can't let go of his favorite toy.
0: Yeah, so he's... And- He's suited for it. He has... He might not be the... He's not the fastest guy out there, apparently. So he can't sprint as well, but he has really good endurance. So he should be a
1: defender.
0: But, but for some bringing re- to offense. Exactly. As soon... Li- this is literally the first episode where Tsukumoto actually executed a skill in the game of soccer well. Bro. And it was on defense. <laughs> and they said... Okay, you've learned your lesson. Time to go back to the front line, and he, and even Sukamoto is like, "Wait, what? Why?" And they're like, "Did I stutter?" <laughs> you know, like, mean, come on, coach. Like, the the extent to which you refuse to explain yourself is stoic on one level, but it's also just lazy writing.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's that kind of sums up days in general. Just lazy writing.
0: Yeah. So I shouldn't have led with the fact that I thought it was a good
1: episode. It, well, you didn't it, really. What you said was it was an improvement.
0: It is It is a less
1: bad episode. Right. And I will give you this, because Haibara actually seems like he would be an interesting character. Yeah. I, especially the whole part where they want him to start, Where well, not with the rest of the team, but the first years come up to him, and they all start surrounding him and asking, hey, what can we do to improve ourselves during this game? And to me, that felt like, in a series that was actually following Hybaro, this would be a big moment where he starts to come into his own as beca- starting to become the captain of this new generation of people. In yeah. this, though, that is kind of what's going on, but I feel like that should be Tsukamoto's role.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's in- it's always strange with this show to see the extent to which these third-year characters have had to fight and work and train on their own in order to get on the team in order to start in the inter-high, uh, whereas none of those rules seem to apply to Tsukamoto. Um, yeah. He is the one exception to everything, still for reasons that no one seems willing to address completely. And um,
1: so okay. anyway, the, the the takeaway, I guess, is that Days is still bad. <laughs> right. There's Uh, one other moment I wanted to bring up in the episode, though. And this was kind of a big moment in the episode, which is when Sukamoto runs out and he starts crying to himself that he's going to have to replace somebody on the team if he wants to do better. And Jin is the one who comes in and tries to comfort him about this. And I feel like this was really an unearned moment in the series. Oh, yeah. Because... They're trying to push this whole narrative that Sukamoto and Jin are have this grand bond, this really strong bond of friendship. And Jin comes up to him and says, Hey, you know, if you choose not to, it doesn't matter because we're still friends. And all I was thinking during that scene was, are you really? Again, it goes back to all of this underdeveloped char- character development where we haven't really seen Jin and Sukumoto do much with one another since the beginning. they The series has sort of followed Jin a lot, and we've kind of gone into his character, but his whole relationship with Sukumoto past the first couple episodes has not really been a prevalent thing.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's the issue for every character, in right. that the, the show tries to imply... That there has been a lot of character development and a lot of build-up of relationships off-screen and expects the audience to trust them. Trust me. Trust me. They're a team (laughs) and they're friends. Um, We don't have time to show you, but they definitely are.
1: But trust us on this, dude. Totally.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, moving on from one underachieving show to another, (laughs) uh, there's a new episode of Tiger Mask this week. And... I thought it was, like days, a relative improvement on a show that's overall not very good. I would agree with that. Yeah, so a lot of what we saw here was... In the first two episodes, the Tiger Mask narrative advanced very rapidly with the introduction of Naoto as the new Tiger Mask. And him challenging multiple global wrestling monopoly wrestlers to to fights. And it seemed like we the plot had gotten ahead of the development by half. So this episode actually, to its credit, took a step back. And instead of having a fight with the Red Death mask, uh, like we were promised at the end of the last episode, it focused on developing some of the backstory for Naoto and Takuma and how they how their original gym... Uh, the zipangu gym went up against global wrestling monopoly and how all the wrestlers were forced to retire afterwards because of the fight the the, the featured fight was the one with Red yellow devil in the first episode but then all the other fights destroyed the japanese wrestlers and everyone retired and that's what prompted naoto and Takuma to train to be the best so it, it was interesting to see how they were both recruited in order to become elite wrestlers. Uh, the, the parallel, of course, is that Takuma was recruited by Yellow Devil directly um, to join his own organization. He said the only, you know, Yellow Devil had just incapacitated Takuma's father and he approached takuma and said do you hate me do you want to get revenge on me the only way you'll ever be strong enough is if you join my organization the tiger's den um and that was apparently convincing and so takuma (laughs) you know went off to seattle where it looks like it's either seattle or vancouver on the map they showed in the first episode and joined tiger's den and then uh, naoto was similarly approached and I thought this was actually a good touch. He was approached by the former Yellow Devil, uh, mm-hmm. the retired Yellow Devil, uh, who had renounced the ambitions of GWM and wanted to train Nauto to be the new Tiger Mask. Um, so it's, it's unclear exactly how these characters related. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of references to the old Tiger Mask show that we are not getting fully, Um, and I think we'd probably enjoy it a lot more if we knew that, but probably not that much more. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, overall, I thought it was interesting to see some of the background where they came from. It justifies a lot of things a little more. I was very frustrated with the first two episodes with... (laughs) how Naoto becoming Tiger Mask was never addressed. Right. He just sort of was. Honestly, it feels like a lot of these elements should have been in the first and second episodes.
1: And that was largely my issue with the episode was that this really felt like this was the setup episode, but I feel like with the first two episodes, they really just wanted to jump in in, into the big actiony moments. Yeah. And, so they skipped over all the necessary to back all the necessary backstory. And I felt like had we jumped into the series with this episode with just a more straightforward telling of the series, yeah. That would have worked out a lot better for me.
0: I agree. I mean, there's still a lot of issues with the show. It is tragically underfunded. The animation is way out of date. You can excuse some of it in that it's trying to create a, a, an aesthetic that's reminiscent of the original from the 70s, but that can only go so far when right. you've got really poor animation. Um, but again, I thought it was the animation, even, and the impact in the fights that were shown right. was less bad.
1: Yeah, no, it, it worked a little better, and I feel like part of that might have just been due to the fact we had a bit more of an emotional connection that we can just feel those impacts a little bit better when we're actually caring about what's going on now. Yeah, the the characters that were in the fights
0: you saw felt a little less random.
1: Right. Now, I did have one major complaint otherwise with the episode, and that was with the style of editing they went with, because we keep jumping back and forth between the two... between current day and what happened in the past. Right. That... And it hap the cutting is so, I'm trying to think of the right word here, it's so jarring a lot of times because you'll be in the past and then all of a sudden they'll cut to what's going on in the future. I think one of the best examples of this was we have, I'm trying to remember exactly the sequence of cuts here, but we're in the future, we're at the training grounds that Nauto is at now. Right. And then all of a sudden we cut to the past with absolutely no warning or lead into it, and suddenly we have Naoto and Takuma training at their old Zapongu uh, gym. Yeah. And it kind of happens without warning, and it took me a little bit to realize that we were now in the past.
0: I, I actually agree, because when I first saw that shot, my assumption was that Takuma had split off from his GWM compatriots and had found Nauto at their gym and they were training together you know right. this this was going to be the moment that they reunite and say haha look our plan is working uh, but cl- it, and it took me a while to figure out that that's not what was happening no. at all yeah
1: we were back to where it all began
0: right it looked like it was an extended training sequence because it led in with <clears throat> Naoto counting off doing what might be the funniest exercise I've, <laughs> I've seen where he's doing deadlifts while being spun around a giant hamster. Wheel. Yes.
1: Oh my God. I died at that part. <laughs> it's, I don't, I,
0: I don't know. This See, show can't the, like, make up its mind with how serious it wants it to take itself.
1: And I feel like if we had gotten more moments of that throughout the series, just insane training montages, in insane forms of training like that, I would be way more into this.
0: Right. Like when he when he kills a 20-foot-tall bear with one strike while hanging upside down. I'm yeah, like if, exactly. If it's, just, if it's just gonna be pulpy insanity like that, I'm on board. But you can't switch back and forth all the time. Right, exactly. Uh, anyway, the, the last thing I wanted to note on this was... Maybe, uh... It was just such a ham fisted throwaway line where they're showing the flashback of Kentaro taking Nauto to the Tiger Mask's former secret training base for the first time. Right. And Kentaro says, Oh, you know, your your last name is Nauto too, just like the original Tiger Mask. <laughs> How about that? And then they just move on without acknowledging, oh, not The, isn't, the well, fact that they're clearly trying to make a connection between these two characters. Exactly, exactly. But everyone's just like, wow, what a weird coincidence that <laughs> I have the same name as the old Tiger Mask. Isn't that a funny coincidence? It's a coincidence. <laughs> and, you know, in three to six episodes, we'll find out it's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am also looking forward to finding out the connection between tiger mask wanting to protect quote-unquote underprivileged kids and (laughs) him needing to destroy the original tiger's den i have no idea what those two have to do with each other
1: like you had mentioned before that felt like one of those elements that was probably expounded more in the original series right
0: it might just be making making reference this the same way that in the new Star Wars they can make ref- sort of somewhat subtle references to the old Legends of the Jedi or something right. without needing to explain because there's an assumption that you've watched the original Star Wars um, it w- it does seem strange though for me I guess maybe in Japan it's way more popular than here but I certainly have no way to watch the original Tiger Mask and, and, Same, even, it, really. and even if I did I'm not going to watch 100 episodes
1: of this yeah, exactly. from the it's 70s one of those- even if you wanted to find fan subs of it, I don't... Has anybody ever fan subbed it? Right. And I guess it's not one of those things I've really done much research into, but how? Yeah, or why. Anyway, right. <laughs> we don't need
0: to dwell on this. It's it's not a special show, but it's it'll be interesting to see where it goes moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this has been... A week, or this was a day of improvements for a lot of series, because coming up next is March Comes in Like a Lion. And I felt like this episode was a major improvement. I was, as you know, I was not big on the first episode. I have come around on it after this Mm -hmm. episode. And I don't know if you would agree with me on that or not. Well, you were already big into the series.
0: I was all about it from the get-go.
1: Right, and I don't know if this episode... Uh, tur- uh, turned you away from it at all? Because this was a big. Ton- I feel like totally this had a big shift.
0: Oh yeah, it was very different.
1: But anyway, so like the last episode, this is this episode was structured into two parts. The first part was about the main character Ray finding out that he had a match coming up against his self-proclaimed longtime rival Nikaido. Yep. who is very exuberant and very pushy and is very excited over the notion that he's finally going up against Ray so much so that he stole his notification just so he could present it to Ray personally. Yeah. And then during this episode we see Ray go up against another shogi player by the name of Matsumoto who is also very excitable and really wants to win against Ray so he can have a match that's broadcast on television. Right. But he loses and so then they but then he is talked in but then Ray is talked into going to a hostess bar essentially with Matsumoto to help cheer him up and right. there he finds Akari who is the oldest of the three girls of the household that Ray tends to go visit. Right. And we find out a little bit of his backstory there. The second part is a little bit more slice of lifey. Yes, where it's basically just Ray going to the grocery store and happening to run into all of the all of the girls there. And from there, he goes to he goes back home, has dinner, and episode kind of ends there.
0: It does make you wonder if there's anyone else in this town with how often he just happens to run <laughs> into one or all of these, these girls. girls.
1: Well, yeah. in So, in defense of the first part, it sounds like Rey was already aware of Matsumoto and his whole thing about wanting to go to the... to the hostess bar, and he knew that he had a crush on Akari. That Matsumoto did. Yeah, that Matsumoto does. And maybe Rey? I'll get into that later. Right. But... And I do also have a correction based on this episode from last episode. I had assumed that Akari was, was the mother of the two girls. She is not. She is, in fact, the oldest sister. Right. A fact that, actually, I did not realize until I had talked to somebody else after watching this episode.
0: Right. It was easy to misinterpret in the first episode right. because there was... It, it just sort of dropped you in without explaining very much. Um, right. So, I think you're fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I. She's clearly the mother of these three girls, regardless.
0: Yeah. Like, she acting. acts very motherly yeah. towards
1: pretty much everybody.
0: Yeah. So, she lives then with her two younger sisters and her grandfather, and her parents are out of the picture for... As yet undisclosed, but clearly very traumatic reasons.
1: Correct. So, anyway, I guess what I liked a lot more about this episode than the last episode was we got a lot... It felt a lot more subtle in how they portrayed Rey's character in this one as opposed to the last one where I felt like they were really beating you over the head with his constant angst. Like, one of my favorite parts about it was after he beat Matsumoto... Matsumoto is just beside himself. And they play it up a little comedically, but they explain... Or... A guy by the name... I think they just refer to him as Mr. Smith. Yeah. uh, Who I believe is a foreign shogi player. Clearly. (laughs) But he... But he explains to Ray that the reason why Matsumoto wanted to win and be broadcast so badly was because his grandfather was ailing and was on the stroke of death... And so the only way that his grandfather could ever watch uh, Matsumoto play a game of shogi was if he could get is was if he could raise high enough in the ranks so that he could have a match broadcast nationally. Right. And I felt like that explained a lot of Ray's hesitation and why he feels so disgusted sometimes by playing people in shogi because without really making that without the episode making that connection for us, it's explaining to us yeah. Ray is crushing the dreams of people, and I believe he feels pretty guilty about that. Right,
0: because he doesn't have a dream for himself. Really. Yeah,
1: exactly. But he, but there are all these other people who are so excited to be playing shogi, and he's just destroying their hopes. And to me, that did a lot for Ray's character.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I think what we, a lot of the people who loved the first episode of this show loved it because it seemed very much like an art piece right and the the tone was so much about living inside of ray's head right and seeing trying to feel what he was going through and understanding that eventually over time it would be revealed as to why he started to feel this way and that when it worked for people, it worked because of that, and when it didn't work for people, it didn't work because of that. But this did have a very significant tone shift in that most of this episode was outside of Ray's head. Right. Um, you were seeing it from a more of a third person perspective. You, there was a lot more of the light, silly tone, and I wonder whether the the first half of the first episode was really dwelling in. Ray's own depression. Right. I wonder whether that's something that they will allude to moving forward, but not ever come back to spend a significant chunk of time in.
1: Right, and I think I, I think what I like honestly is doing more what they did in the first episode, where they make implications to his past, but never really delving into it. Because I like more when how we can determine Ray's personality based on these observations of how of how he interacts with people and just normal facts about his life like something i really loved as well was his just explanation that he pro players have to play 30 to 40 matches a year and and then people who get even higher up who start becoming really talented and start winning a lot of matches they have to start playing as many as 70 to 80 games a year and when i saw that or when i heard that all i could think about is yeah that's why ray feels like he's really isolated he's going to school just so he's he has to go to school and then he but then in his spare time all he can really do is shogi right. he doesn't have time to do anything else no wonder why he feels so isolated and so withdrawn from everybody else right and I just, I really, lo- and I really love just these minor details that tell us so much more about the character.
0: Yeah, I think any show that treats its audience like adults and lets right. them interpret things and lets them figure these out is is good in my books. I do have, have one question for you, Matt. Go for on it. On this, um, to what extent? Is March Comes In Like a
1: Lion about Shogi? Not very much. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a we kinda of went over this in our previous episode, but March Comes in a lion in like a lion really feels more like a character study of Rey than it really does feel like about Shogi. So because... do you
0: think do you think that they'll ever teach us any of the rules of shogi or do you think it'll just plop us in with a bunch of experts who have no need to explain it?
1: I'm guessing because shogi is not really a focal point like the match between Ray and Matsumoto is played so quickly and just so matter-of-factly, yeah. that I don't. I think it kind of expects the viewer to know something about shogi. I don't know how well known the rules of shogi are in Japan.
0: Right. Yeah. I wonder what the comparison would be because if I were to watch a show about chess, I don't know all the strategies, but I can.
1: Yeah, we fo- know all I the pieces. We know we know the basic movements. Yeah,
0: it doesn't help that the chess pieces in shogi are all identical, but just have different words right. written on them in Japanese, so it's unintelligible to me.
1: Um, But, so yeah, yeah, I don't think Shogi is going to be the focal point of this. But honestly, that's fine because it'll be interesting to take a look at a character study of a player of a sport rather than just simply talking about the sport.
0: I agree, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how, when, when the sport isn't the focus, how do you incorporate it, where do you incorporate it, and what metaphorical strengths does it have. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so just um,
1: I have one more thing I would like to touch up a uh, touch upon of regarding March comes in like a lion. Okay, and that would be I. This episode really helped me appreciate the animation as well. Again, oh, yeah. in its subtle touches, like there's one gag that really got me in this episode, and that was at the beginning of the episode where Ray goes into the elevator to kind of get away from Nikaido, and yeah. Nikaido bursts into the elevator, and while Nikaido is trying to talk to Ray, the elevator keeps closing on him, and he has to keep, like, pushing it away, or it just keeps trying to close on him just sporadically. Yeah. And I really appreciated how that touch of realism to the animation kind of brought out more of the comedic aspect of this notion, because if it was just like a standard series, you get kind of a quick spurt of, you know, his bursting into this elevator to talk to him, and that would be it. But this, just watching this elevator constantly close on Nikaido, just on, when it's about time for it to close again, just, it helps drive home the fact that, yes, this man just burst into the elevator, and the elevator is having none of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for the animation in March Comes in Like a Lion. The the animation for all these shows is completely all over the place. Right. I think this one might have the most consistently good and the most consistently creative right. animation because it doesn't necessarily stick to a single style. It right. its its style follows the emotional uh, aspects the, of the story. Yeah. And like so um for example
1: uh, sorry, going along with what you just said there. Sorry, I have actually an example to that. Okay. Um, where uh, Matsumoto is playing Rei, and as the match is going on, you can watch as he starts putting down the pieces. Like, at first it's a very controlled putting down, and then later on you can just see he's doing it in the same way, but he's just giving just a little bit of extra weight to it. And you can watch the Shogi pieces shake and scatter a little bit as he's putting down the piece. Right. And I love how it uses the animation to, again, teach us more of the emotional state of the character.
0: Yeah, without them having to say anything.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a good show. It's a well-made show. Uh, I would probably, I would recommend it outside of people who like sports animation. Yeah, sure.
1: I would absolutely as well.
0: Anyway, so I'm going to move on to Long Riders the dicey exclusive that <laughs> as far as i can tell no one is watching but we are right and that's okay <laughs> so um the the episode pretty much went exactly where you thought it would from last week and in in, in the first episode amy and i went on amy's first bike ride and they met uh two new characters in the beginning of this episode those characters were introduced, and they went on another bike ride. So the new <laughs> characters are all older students at their university. Uh, Hinako uh, is the, the short blonde one, and Yayoi is the tall purple-haired one. Right. Um, and both of them have a lot of experience with cycling, and they introduce Amy and Oi to the concept of long distance cycling and they, they talk about a couple different forms called brevets and fleshes which are basically individual and team long distance riding where you simply try to complete a certain distance in a within a certain time limit so it's not so much about competing to be the fastest but about trying to achieve a very difficult goal within a time limit and so, I, I want to first address this because it's clear just from the promos that eventually these girls, uh, along with an as yet introduced f- fifth character, um, are going to start competing as a team on Fleshes. And it is a very purposeful choice by the creative team behind it that the kind of cycling they do is not about being the fastest and not about crossing the finish line first, but about working together on a team, selecting a route on your own, deciding what route is best to get from a start point to an end point, and then just doing it together within a certain time limit so that any team that finishes can win. So this feels less like a race, uh, in, the, in the conventional sense and more like the way that most people train for a marathon um, they, they train in order to improve their own abilities and to complete the marathon You know, most people don't run marathons in order to get first place they run in order to complete a marathon and that is success in itself the same way with this so it, it's an interesting counterpoint to the typical sports narrative where it's all about being the best being the fastest whatever this is just about pursuing a skill improving and doing something you enjoy and that sort of bears out in the rest of the episode itself where the entire action of the episode is that amy buys a bicycle helmet and then the next (laughs) day they go on a ride and uh they take a they 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 ride to the beach And they get lunch together, and then they take a selfie with the sunset, and then Amy and Oi uh, take the train home. And that's the whole action. That's that's all they do. They just meet with their new friends, go for a bike ride. Amy has a tough time, but she's glad she did it, and then she's sore after. That's the whole plot. And there are four characters, and they all love cycling. (laughs) This is the show.
1: Yes, that is correct. Um... I will say, because I feel like I was a little too harsh on it last episode. Okay. My opinion hasn't really changed. <laughs> but I do want to say one thing, which is unlike Days, which is just frustratingly bad, Long Riders is at the very least inoffensive.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah.
1: I'm not going to be. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time complaining about plot contrivances, issues with character developments, talking about the show. My complaint still stands though that there's not a whole lot that's going on. And but I do appreciate that in this episode, with the introduction of brevets and fleshes, that we have a bit more of a goal in mind. Right. Which is naturally going to be Amy's gonna eventually go on a brevet or flesh. And I do appreciate that, and I guess this episode we are starting to see a little bit more of her growing skill as she is... She does struggle with going up the hill, and she does learn how to deal with that. A lot of this episode feels like an ad, and I don't know for what. (laughs) Cycling in general? (laughs) Cycling, like, the best thing I can explain it, I've never seen this personally... But in Japan, they released a, a short video for otaku and shut-ins, which was basically a fitness video of just a random anime girl doing simple exercises. And the intention behind this was to encourage otaku to try and exercise to keep themselves healthy.
0: Wait, are you talking, this came out like in the last year?
1: No, this came out a little bit ago.
0: Uh, There's a similar one coming out. I I linked it to you before called Anime de Training X.
1: Right. Yeah, no, this was was actually kind of an infamous one. It was something like Hinako's, like, training or something like that. But the point is, this feels very similar to that, but I don't know how. Just in the very quiet nature it presents all of this, I feel, it's a very gentle series.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think this is functioning sort of as a bridge between the traditional sports sports centric anime like uh, Yawapeda or something, right? You know, specifically about specifically about joining a team, being a cycler, whatever. It's a bridge between that and the more the relaxing shows called Iyashike, uh, right? Or the, cal- the calming shows. So this is it's an interesting balance i kind of like the what What i like about it is that it is a very simple show it has very limited aims it's not trying to introduce 15 characters it's in try, trying to introduce right. four and eventually five characters and make you like them and it's trying to slowly justify why amy would go from being a complete novice to being someone who bikes competitively right. and it's not rushing it and it's not forcing you into it The only way that the competitive cycling came up was Hinako mentioning, "Oh yeah, like I've done some competitive cycling before. It's fun, but you know, whatever." That's about as much as went into it, and I I appreciated the fact that they didn't just jump into saying, "Oh, we're we're four girls. We just need to find a fifth, and then we can be a team. Let's do it." They sort of (laughs) joke about it, but they're not really serious. And I I like that it felt a little more natural, whereas a lot of shows go immediately from,
1: oh, cycling exists, I guess I should be the best. (laughs) Like All Outs, which we'll get into that later. Yeah. But I guess I can agree with that. It does show that going along with what I said about it being kind of an ad, I guess what it does is, I guess a lot of people can be pretty intimidated by sports. Yep. just on the basis of how they are presented in anime which is we are staking our lives and our futures on this one single game yep. and this does kind of show hey, you know what? you can treat things like a hobby too you know, you don't have to just devote just all of yourself to just one thing like, you can take it easy it's, it could be a hobby you can experiment with it it's okay, that's not a problem
0: Yeah, and it it does feel like it is making a case to people who've never cycled before that you can buy a cheap bicycle, and even though some things are confusing at first, it's not that hard, and it might be fun. Like, (laughs) I I don't know, I think that's, it may not be a, a deeply compelling narrative but it's not a bad message there are a lot worse messages in some of these anime
1: okay so I will say I still do not like the show but you have given me I think you have convinced me at the very least that it does serve a purpose yeah and I do I can at least appreciate that
0: well that's that's something all right so um do you want to move on to a show that has pleasantly surprised us?
1: Yes, that is correct. Uh, Scorching Ping Pong Girls. We are on the second episode, and I'm going to tell you... I, I'm going to tell our viewing public, or listening public... <laughs> right. ...what I told you, which is, I hate this show, and I hate the fact that I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> this has no right to be as good as it is. Yeah. So, anyway, in this episode... Koyori, the main character is working her way up the ranks. We get her big game first of all against the number three of the team who uh, Hokudo Huk- who has blue hair and she has a very analytical style of play. She manages to beat her and then she goes on to face Tenka whos who has blonde hair she's kind of she's a little crazy and wild and she has a very highly offensive style yeah and she manages to win. And of at the course. very end of the episode, she we are getting set up for her big match against Agari, who is the number one in the club. And really, this series' biggest strength is the plotting. Which is... I, Agari is maybe one of the better rival characters that I've seen in a sports series. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Like, her... I really appreciate the range of what she shows in, about herself.
0: Yeah. In, well, in just two episodes.
1: In just two episodes. In this episode, we actually watch her get kind of scared of Koyori. Like, she is getting very intimidated by the fact that Koyori has a very real shot of taking away everything she wants. And we have... Like, she doesn't even watch the game against Tenka because she's so nervous that she just goes out running. Yeah, she can't even watch this match. And even when she comes back, she asks herself, "Hey, I wonder if anybody was worried about me because you know she still wants that attention." And yeah. but no, nobody cares because everybody is surrounding Koyori because again, she beat Tenka. They can't yeah. believe this.
0: She's the new ace. Quote she and, quote. is. She's
1: becoming the new ace. And Koyori is trying is trying to figure out how to get over this, how over the fact that she may be dethroned. And she has to practice, and she's doing whatever she can to basically not be destro- dethr- dethroned. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk. And so much of the fact that she keeps Mune Mune, like, after school, to basically teach her her smash.
0: Yeah, it's... There's there's a lot of interesting things with this episode. It It's unfortunate that the series is getting so little attention broadly. Right. So All Out is getting more attention than this. Days (laughs) is getting more attention than this. Nobody's talking about Scorching Ping Pong Girls. And the issue, which I've mentioned to you before, is that there is a disconnect between the art style and the narrative.
1: Right. And the narrative is really solid. It's got a really solid core plot, really solid core main cast. But the art style is so pandering to just the wrong fan base for this sort of thing. Yeah. Which is, is it... a very... Oh, it, it feels like Long Raiders and Scorching Ping Pong Girls should have the reverse art style. Yeah, exactly. They should have the art style of the other.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I really hate that Scorching Ping Pong Girls has to is appealing to this... Or doing whatever it can to appeal to this otaku base. Now, I realize a lot of that comes from the original source material. Because we took a look at the manga real quick and we saw that, yeah, this is just... I mean, they're just doing a pretty straight adaptation of the original manga. Right. But I just... I hate all this otaku pandering stuff that it does. Oh, well, the
0: worst for me, and I'm just going to interject, is Hokuto. Um, Because the way that Hokuto... She's kind of an interesting character but the way her character design is is that she always has a jacket pulled up over her mouth and for some reason whenever she talks you can see her breath like as if it's 20 degrees outside right you can always see her breath because she's so cold and analytical like why? why why throw that little you know character design aspect on there when it just distracts from the fact of Oh no, she actually has an interesting ping pong style. Thought. Right, you have to you have to pander on the side.
1: And now, interesting. I was actually about to complain about Hokuto as well, but for different reasons. Because okay. something I really hate about what they do with her character is that she can tell what type of panties that oh. any of the girls were. Yeah, right. Just based off of their their uh, personality.
0: Oh, yeah, their
1: pattern. It's just like. <laughs> That's not a thing!
0: Yeah. There's no reason for that! Oh my gosh.
1: And it's just so frustrating to see that sort of thing. Yeah. Just because there's a good story in there. The series seems to have a legitimate respect for the sport of table tennis.
0: Yeah, but then you've got one side character referring to you as
1: uh, Peach Panty son. Peach Panties, and... or Thong son. or... Yeah, oh my gosh. And it's just, that's so unnecessary, but I enjoy her style of play, because she analyzes and she figures out, she just mentally figures out the, the likelihood that a character can return her serves or, like, her different types of moves. She kind of figures out where they're positioned on the table, and tries to attack in the more likely area that they're going to be unable to defend,
0: I also like the fact that she got so excited and so into the the match with Koyori that she abandoned her own style because right. she got so desperate to beat this interesting new character. Like, it brings a lot. It shows why Koyori's an interesting character. There's so much going on, and then they have to just slap this crap on top. Like, yeah. The first episode, of the issue was with everyone talking about Mune Moonie Mune's breasts, and it's like, right. come on, that's so unhelpful and so unnecessary. Right. But you just got to throw it in there. But this... you just
1: got to throw it in there to sell the merch for the for the hardcore otaku fan base. Yeah.
0: But this it feels much more similar in design to Baby Steps than right. it does to Lucky Star, which is what it looks like. <laughs> and that's that's right. the thing that frustrates me. If we weren't doing this project together. I would have never started watching. Yeah, same. Ping pong girls. I would have Be-
1: just dismissed it as another Lucky Star type clone. Yeah. I just figured they had like Ping Pong there as a reference.
0: Yeah, it's um, intensely frustrating. Um, but yeah, the, the one thing that I wanted to address before we move on about this show is that you refer to Koyori as the main character. I kind of see Agari as the main character and Koyori as the rival.
1: Yeah, no, I guess that is an interesting point because I feel like Koyori Koyori is the type of character who would be the main character. Right. But the series is really more following Agari's development and more what she wants out of life. where well, We really know her goals very well, whereas Koyori just really loves the sport. Sure,
0: it's a and little more And I feel like simple. we're
1: kind of, it feels, it feels almost like we are seeing a, like the type of typical Shonen hero but seen from an outside perspective.
0: Right. Yeah. What happens to all those people that the typical shonen hero unseats in the process? Like what are they thinking? Oh right boy, now that's the main character. That's Agari. And I love that because you gotta think, probably in this next episode they're gonna have the match with Agari and Agari's gonna lose. Like that's right. that's my assumption. And so when that happens, whether it's episode three or episode four, or whatever, when that happens it will be interesting to see Agari have to figure out whether she'll still play ping-pong, and if so, why. Right, and because that's,
1: that's, that was something that I really liked that they addressed in this episode, which was what Munamune said, which was, Do you even enjoy ping-pong? Like, are you having fun playing it? And Agari doesn't have an answer for her. Right. And yeah. I just, I love that detail to her character. Like, this is a person yeah. who has striven so much for one thing and doesn't even know if she wants to even keep playing this game
0: yeah and i think that's what's good about it is that that's a broadly a plot applicable question there's a lot of people who work really hard for things and then realize they don't actually enjoy them so it's it's going to be interesting where the narrative goes scorching ping pong girls once again defying expectations to the good (laughs) so moving on to a show that defies expectations to the less good um all out So, in the second episode, Gion actually joins the rugby team. He goes to his first practice, and most of it is focused now... There's not much focused on Iwashimizu. The majority of the focus is on Gion and him learning how to play rugby from scratch. So he's sort of set aside with the people who are playing rugby for the first time. But he gets immediately furious and violent because that's his only character trait, and he <laughs> says that he he wants to tackle someone. He doesn't want to learn how to pass the ball. He just wants to fight. Um, and the captain, who uh, the Sekizan with spiky red hair and white curls, for some reason. <laughs> um, he he takes exception to this because even though he looks like a total man beast punk is very insistent on people following proper manners so he tells Gion that if Gion wants to tackle someone he can tackle him of course Gion is unable to because Sekizan is a mountain and (laughs) then Sekizan tasks him to essentially do bear crawls with Uh, a ball balanced on his back for the rest of practice so bear crawl is where you know you're crawling on all fours um on your hands and feet but you can't let your knees touch the ground um and so he's just going back and forth and balancing a ball on his back while doing bear crawls for three hours in the first practice (laughs) that's what they say they said that which (laughs) First off, not possible. Like, not, we'll just acknowledge that straight away. Then to further that, they keep showing this sequence of events where every day they go to practice, and every day Sekizan has Guillaume just do bear crawls for multiple hours for the entirety of practice, and then at the end of practice, he is allowed to attempt to tackle Sekizan again, and once again, he cannot. He cannot. He cannot. And this is the focus of the episode: is him doing bear crawls and uh by the end Gion uh he's he's done so many bear crawls that he has a revelation of (laughs) the the true way to tackle you know (laughs) and he he built he takes Iwashimizu and he develops his ultimate technique for tackling which he then tries out on Sekizan at the end of the episode and it turns out it's don't tackle them in the abdomen tackle them below their knees so he just runs straight at him and then dives at his ankles and trips him and that's the ultimate technique so all of those bear crawls taught him oh maybe i should stay low to the ground <laughs> like as if that was the thing he was supposed to be learning
1: right yeah no it doesn't make a lot of sense and talking about those bear claw uh, bear crawls yeah yeah I could not stand the CGI on that ball. On that stupid ball that was on his back. It was really distracting for me.
0: Oh, the CGI?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the CGI on the ball. Yeah. I haven't mentioned this because it bothers me during Long Raiders, but it especially bothers me during All Out. Yeah. Is the CGI that they use... It's like they don't even try to distinguish that the ball... And Gion are part of the same world, almost. Because Gion <laughs> still is digitally drawn, but then you have this ball that's clearly 3D yeah. on top of him. And it just... I can't... I can't not see it.
0: Yeah, it's like they're operating under separate sets of
1: physics. Yeah, exactly. And it drives me nuts, and I hate it. Wow. <laughs> and it, it's really distracting for me, essentially. I I didn't mind the twist that his ultimate technique is to go for the ankles, because I do appreciate how they how that plays into him being short. Because yeah. okay, this is a technique that really only he can do because he's so much lower to the ground. It's a non-traditional style of play that only he can use.
0: I guess. I mean And
1: I, I like that. What I don't like is that they try and establish Oh, his back muscles are also really ripply and strong. And then they have this throwaway gag about the fact that he's just been dangling from a pole for a while (laughs) all his life because he wants to try and grow a few inches. Yeah,
0: he was so embarrassed about being short that he hung from a bar for extended periods of time and did, he figured while he was there he might as well do pull-ups. And then everyone laughs, ha ha ha, oh, that's why he's so strong. Like, as if that's just going to justify everything. Like, he's, he's, th- this always happens in... In in sh- sports shows where the main character has some secret technique that he didn't know would somehow apply perfectly to this sport. But what a stupid justification. Right.
1: And see, my problem with it isn't even so much that it's stupid, it's that it wasn't established. Oh
0: yeah, it's a throwaway.
1: Yeah, it's a throwaway. In the Hajime no Ipo, for example, we find out that Ippo is really naturally suited for boxing because he's been working in on a boat all of his life, and he has to carry everybody's, fish, uh, like, all of their fishing gear. So that's kind of naturally made him a little bit stronger. And yeah. the fact that he's on a boat means that he has to learn how to balance himself. So he had, so it gave him sort of a, a shoe in for for footwork. Right. It, or like in Shield 21, Senna was bullied all of his life, so he was everybody's go- gopher, and they wanted it in a certain amount of time, so he's just become naturally fast by running back and forth.
0: Yeah, this one, he just did a lot of pull-ups.
1: He just did a lot of pull-ups back then, and that wasn't... I wouldn't mind it so much if maybe he was introduced to us like that. Yeah. Give us give us more insecurity about his shortness rather than having it just suddenly come up.
0: Well, he's clearly very insecure, but it's it's in the same way that Edward Elric is insecure about his height... In full, full Metal Alchemist, anytime right. someone mentions it, he just, like, goes into this cartoony flip-out scene. Right. And it's treated like a joke. Um, you can't really take his issues with his height seriously because right. the show doesn't treat it seriously. But now we're expected to tre- take his back muscles seriously.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was about to say, at least in full Metal Alchemist, it's never come up as a serious point.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. It's, it, they,
1: they... They rightfully just treat it as a recurring gag.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know. All, all out, I mean, I was hoping that it would be a good standard shonen. It's starting out to be a fine standard shonen. Uh,
1: I'm not even going to go with fine. It's, but it, yeah, I, it's I, I an st- approaching fine. Approaching, yeah, there you go, there you go. I want it to be good. I want it to get better. Maybe they'll be able to. D- now that they've introduced the new high school, um, which is a great for a lead in, Keijo High. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a good transition, right?
1: Yeah. Speaking of Keijo High. Yeah. Let's just start talking about Keijo. Right. So, I
0: still didn't watch it. And still won't. didn't watch it, but that's fine. So I tell me about
1: to... episode two. <laughs> so in this episode. We get a lot more development between the the core four characters. Who are Nozomi and Miata, who were pretty well introduced to us last episode. And then we also have their two roommates, Alba and Toyoguchi. Now, I don't believe I mentioned this in the last episode. I it was an important point that I forgot to mention, which was at the end of that episode, they were brought into a into their dorm. Their dorm is for whatever reason the the dorm for the hopeless cases <laughs> they yeah. get organized That why would they get into the school then <laughs> yeah i know i don't know why i think it was more just on the basis that the house that they're in has that notion attached oh, to it's it it's like
0: a reputation
1: so uh, we start de- so this episode was delving a little bit more into their two roommates alba and toyoguchi uh, Alba, uh, Alba is very quiet, she has a long brown ponytail, and that's her character. And then we also have Toyo, Toyoguchi, who's also the roommate, she has red hair, and she's a bit of a hick. Mm-hmm. And the basic plot of this episode is, first of all, we kind of see the hellish training that, that that takes place at this university. And then the episode ends with this whole game where they have to learn... ...how to keep a rally going by using their butts to keep knocking a beach ball into the air. And the twist at the end of the episode is that... ...they have a lot of problems following this volleyball because of the wind. Because they keep getting the beach wind blowing it around while it's in the mid-air... ...so nobody knows who to go for it. They learn that using Alba's ponytail... ...they can watch and see which way the wind is going to be going... And so that's how they start to track it down.
0: No. What?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's that's how how they they
0: figure out the wind?
1: Yeah, because they can see her... They can see her ponytail blowing.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And the big reveal at the end, because Alba's very quiet, she won't say anything. And at the very end, when they see her hair blow... Basically they try and make her feel not bad about being quiet, because they can tell that Alba knows where it's going, but she's not saying anything to anybody. So Nozomi figures out, hey, I know how you're doing this, don't worry about it, just signal to me where it's going, and I can... and then I can chase after it, or one of us can chase after it. And then at the very end, she makes the signal, she starts running towards it, and then... Alba uh, realizes, hey, no, wait, it's changing suddenly, and she, but she's not close enough to it, so she has to call out to one of them, and that's the big satisfying character development that we get at the end of it, is that Alba finally says something for the sake of their team. Hmm. And... Well. <laughs> it, oh, also, sorry, that's not how the episode ends. There's another oh, okay. few minutes devoted at the very end to them going up against a teacher who I guess is supposed to be this very imposing figure in the school, because they're all former Keijo players. Sure, of course. And they go up against somebody, and Nozomi reveals that she has a super special attack that nobody else can do. Not not even she's aware that she's able to do this, which is, she do, her whole background is that she used to be a gymnast. Right. She does so many flips that she manage, manages to build up enough acceleration in her butt ...to shoot out a vacuum wave.
0: Oh my (laughs) god.
1: And it manages, naturally, to destroy the clothes of the rest of her teammates. No. (laughs) But it also catches her professor's attention... ...because it's the first time she's had to dodge an attack... ...rather than just easily defend it. And so the very end of the episode shows Nozomi in some sort of training gear... Some sort of restrictive training gear. So, since there's not really anything you can add, I'm just gonna keep going here. Um, so, one of the things I didn't really get into last time either. The animation in the show is very meticulous.
0: Oh no, is it meticulous about fanservicey
1: bits? Uh, you knew where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> I just so,
0: assumed, like...
1: <laughs> no, but it's really interesting. So, a lot of fanservice-y types of shows, from what I've seen, a lot of this is based off of what I've seen in Food Wars, which is one of the few fanservice-y shows I kind of allow myself to watch, because there's a right. decent story in there. But they tend to not justify their fan service in a way. Like, they'll have random wiggling breasts at times just for that happened for no reason in this they seem to understand at the very least the physics of it oh good <laughs> like it's almost uncomfortable though watching these girls do these sit-ups and because they have to do a full sit-up up to their knee and you can kind of see oh, god i feel like such a creepo describing this and noticing this um you can kind of watch and see how their breasts perfectly press against their knees Perfectly? Like, it feels like a very natural motion. Oh, okay. Rather than just a, here's boobs wiggling, get, like, enjoy guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, they don't look like balloons.
1: Right, they're not, they don't look like balloons. They're not, they're not functioning as an independent part of their body. Right, right. Or just watching them as they adjust their, their, uh, their crotch area in their swimsuits, (laughs) just particularly towards the back and they kind of bring, and they kind of stretch it out a little bit and when it snaps back you can just see just the slightest about a butt wiggle. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry to go into such detail about this, yeah, but the no. show very clearly wants you to notice this.
0: Yeah. But they...
1: I, it's almost impressive that they seem to understand the physics of a girl's body.
0: Yeah, so it's fan service but it's not like fantasy balloon breast with. Right.
1: It's not just, hey, here's some breast jiggling for really no reason whatsoever. Here's just random ass shots. No, it tries to justify it, almost, through its animation.
0: It is It is very funny because they try, as far as I can tell from your description, is they try and make the case, if only to themselves, like, no, no, this is about a sport. Right. It's and- not just fan service.
1: <laughs> And that's the that's the thing again. Had they not skipped those first 30 chapters, you could almost make that case. Mm. That this is more of a parody than it really is that much of a fan service series. Right. But they very clearly wanted to just give you a straight fan service series.
0: They just jumped straight into the part with people's butts.
1: Right. And not as I've read like the first like 5 chapters or so and the butts are there, <laughs> but and it's, it's clearly a prominent part of the series. It's a part of the story. Nobody's arguing that. But there's a little... But they give you a bit more justification for the just... Hey, here's the butts and boobs y'all wanted.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that Keijo has actually made a pretty big impression, at least initially, in the anime... You know, in the fan community in in the U.S. anyway... And I think a lot of that is because they jumped right into it. They jumped straight into the insanity to make a first impression. Right. And so people tuned in not because they were promised that, like, in five or six episodes we'll have this crazy butt-fighting contest, but because they said, we're going to have butt-fighting from... Cell one. <laughs> it's the butt-fighting show. It's Isn't funny that you bring weird? it up
1: like that. Um, something I didn't mention in my fir- in the in my discussion of the first episode is that literally the first shot you get is a girl's butt.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. that's
1: actually not true. There is a brief second showing you a shot of the stadium that they're in. Then there's an immediate cut to a girl's butt and then to her boobs. Yeah, and. Going a bit more into the narrative side, my issues with the narrative here, because I don't want to just focus on butts and boobs, even though that's clearly what Keijo wants you to do. Right. (laughs) Um, I do have an issue with the way they present the story, which is, this is supposed to be this hellish school, but because Keijo is a made-up sport, we really have no context for how difficult their training really is. Right. Like, one of the first one of the first exercises they show you is that they have they have the girls doing a hundred butt figure eights. Yeah. Where they basically are just shaking, they're moving their butts in a figure eight motion. And I guess if you really wanted to try it, you could see how difficult that is yourself, but nobody knows how that feels.
0: Yeah, that's not a real exercise. That's not
1: a real <laughs> exercise, exactly. So I really don't have any context for how difficult the school really is. Yeah. And... It kind of detracts from the struggle that they're going through. It kind of detracts from their journey, I guess. I mean, you know, what journey there is there. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting balance. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see at the end of the season whether it went full fan service or whether right. it, it actually
1: became more of a sports show over time. Right. And speaking of sports shows, which is I, that was a better transition in my head. <laughs> yeah, um, that could go for anything we're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to come about. Out with Yuri How on about this? How about this?
0: Speaking of pandering to a specific audience,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That would have been better. I wish I had thought yeah. of that. Yuri on Ice. <laughs> Yuri on Ice. So this episode, it wasn't as strong as the first one. I still enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, it didn't make as much of an impression on me as that first episode did, but I do feel like they are setting up for something interesting here. Yep. So, in this episode, we have Victor finally meeting Yuri, and I'm going to start referring to him as Yuri now, because we now have a different name for the other Yuri. Yeah. But I'll get into that later. So, Victor has met up with Yuri and has informed him, I want to be your coach. Sure. And he immediately wants to try and get to know everything. He wants to get to know everything about Yuri. And Yuri is very embarrassed by this because Victor wants to come into his room. And Let's sleep with him. Yeah, sleep with him. Not know, metaphorically. like. <laughs> <laughs> and Yuri doesn't want to let him in because he has all these embarrassing posters of Victor just yeah. hung up around his room. And during this episode, during the course of all of these events... We have uh, Yuri Plisetsky, who was Victor's former protege, track, him, uh, track down Victor in Hatsetsu, which is the city that this all takes place in.
0: Well, yeah, he didn't have to do much tracking down because right. Victor posted on Instagram, hey, I'm in Hasetsu. Right, no,
1: I understand. <laughs> well, because he still has to pinpoint his location, because he's following all the different pictures he took and of all the different locales he went to. Right, right, right. And that's how he ends up tracking him down within the city. Yes, obviously, he specifically said that's where he was. Yeah. Anyway, so you're, so Yuri Placetsky ends up getting the nickname of Yurio, which is now how I'm going to start referring to him. Yep. Cuz that just makes it easier. Yep. And he ends up confronting confronting Victor and tells him that Victor had made a promise with him way back when to choreograph a routine for him if he had won the junior the junior grand prix. And Victor is basically reneging on his promise. Cuz he's just immediately taken with Yuri and wants to start looking at, and wants to just immediately start coaching him. So Victor comes up with the idea of putting the two in competition. Whoever can... He's choreographed a routine for both of them to fulfill his promise to both Yur... to Yurio and Yuri. And... for doing that chore... uh, for doing that, he's going to have them see who can perform their choreography better. And... Whoever does it better, he will end up being the full-time coach of. And that's kind of where the episode ends. So, right. this this episode was very clearly about establishing Victor's character, who is sort of a free spirit to an almost selfish extent. It's treated as something of a joke, but I can very easily see this as becoming more of a plot point, which is how Victor doesn't seem to really care about the feelings of either of these two kids. Well, not kids, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, these two characters, between either Yuri or Yurio. Because he sort of made this promise to Yurio on a whim. And
0: then and just forgot.
1: He comple- <laughs> just completely forgot about it, and it was like, oh, who cares, whatever. When clearly Yurio has a lot of respect for this guy, even as a kid, like, Yurio was around Victor as a kid. Victor was the kind of the one who sort of supported him when his coach was... Kind of a jerk. He was his former coach was a bit of a hard ass, and Victor was a little bit more lenient with him. And we can see in their interactions how this was a very one sided feeling of companionship. Yeah. And meanwhile, Victor is just sort of running around and almost assaulting Yuri, wanting to know all of this information about him, and without even regarding the fact, without kind of disregarding the fact that Yuri is not comfortable around him. Yes, he's excited by the fact that Victor wants to train him and he desperately wants to live up to these expectations that he has. But it's still a very shocking thing for him to just suddenly have this man, this man that you've idolized all of your life, just suddenly come up to you and want to know everything about you. Yeah. It was,
0: um... I don't know. It, it was an interesting episode, and I think, like you said, a lot of what it did was set up. It felt it helped to justify the inclusion of Yurio in the, in the cast. It'll sort of center on these three guys um, for the rest of the show. What did you think about the fact that, although they're, I guess, going to be doing the same choreography, they're going to be doing it to different settings of the same song? Um, so... He for but he forces them to perform to a setting that they are not naturally comfortable with. Right, and um, I th- and, and just one second. And the, the the specifically that the two settings he is forcing uh, Yurio to perform to uh, a setting based on romantic love, and he's forcing Yuri to perform to a setting based on erotic love what? and so yurio is uncomfortable with romance and yuri is clearly uncomfortable with um eroticism or you know sort of pure sexuality what? Uh, what, what do you think that sort of says about the direction and what the narrative is trying to go for
1: i think what i took from that was that both of the. Because, see, I didn't take that as romantic love. I took that as unconditional love. Oh. Well, because I swear they said the line unconditional love. So it's more along the lines of just loving somebody for the sake of whatever. Like, they didn't have to earn it. Okay. Versus having to earn love, I guess, is how I took it. And Yuri has always, and the way I took it is, Yuri has always had this unconditional love of Victor, or this sort of idolization of his mentor. And now he has to start thinking of him as an actual person. He's now confronted with the fact that, hey, I have to win, I actually have to win this guy over. Whereas Yurio has always sort of taken Victor's presence for granted, and he has to reevaluate that. Hmm. And I guess that's kind of what I had... To, that's kind of what I took about it. Like, he has to... Victor now, Or, sorry. Yurio has to start analyzing what it is that drove him to Victor in the first place. Huh. I guess that's sort of how I see the plot take, uh, take place. At the same time, though... I also see it as very selfish of Victor, because Victor is basically pitting their love against one another, just essentially for his own affection. I mean, let's be real here.
0: Yeah, so, and that's sort of where I I was interested as to where you think it's going with it, because a lot of the appeal of this show is to Fujoshi, right? Right. It is to um, women who like seeing very well-animated, muscular men who are in ambiguous relationships uh, with each other um, you know are they gay are they not you know do they not know that they're gay that sort of stuff um, and not you know not not to criticize that that is not necessarily why I watch the show but I do want to be sensitive to the, to the fact that that is an audience that it is looking towards so right. part of what part of what I thought that it it did was so yurio is very clearly you know this aggressive character so if you're looking if you're thinking about it in terms of pairings he's the one who has the more aggressive you know quote unquote sexual side and he would need to learn to be more uh, romantic and emotionally driven in terms of how he connects with victor and whereas you know on the opposite end yuri is all about he's all in his own head he's all about emotions and idealization and connecting on an emotional level with what um victor has meant to him and so he needs to be able to connect on a more visceral level so i don't think the use of um the, the different greek terms for love and showing how are you going to show me your love more effectively i don't think that was accidental Right, um, and that's I think fair. that there's there's reasons for that both in terms of the the, the the surface narrative, but I think there's also reasons for it for the subtext in in the BL relation in sort of sending off dog whistles for the fujoshi <laughs> uh, who are looking for reasons to see um, shipping between these characters, and I don't think that's necessarily false. I am open uh to whether it is stated you know explicitly or just treated as subtext about these characters having a romantic relationship um i don't know but i do think that they chose the songs that victor had them do for that reason at least partly
1: i think that's fair it wasn't really something i thought a lot about i just sort of i guess for me i just sort of Assume that people are going to make those uh, connections regardless as to whether or not the series is going to. Fair enough. But it is interesting that they're being a little bit more nudge, nudge, wink, wink about this than a lot of other series do. Like, for example, something like Haikyuuu, where that just sort of arose out due to its sheer popularity, as opposed to Yuri on Ice, which is doing a little bit more to bring attention to itself because of that. Yeah, Haikyuu um, is
0: just full of um, attractive boys, and, you know, if you want to ship them, so be it. Right. Uh, anyway, do you want to... That seems like a good segue
1: for our last show, Haikyuu. Sure thing. Sounds good to me. So, in this episode, we get the first set, the first full set of this match between Karasuno Hai and Shiratorizawa. Right. Kind of surprising, because... We neither one of us thought we'd get a full set in an episode, considering the, considering the length of this match. It's gonna be. Yeah, ten episodes exactly. Yeah, full ten episodes. So we kind of went through this first set pretty quickly. Basically, what this episode did was build up. Uchiwaka.
0: Yeah, Uchiwaka slash Uchijima, depending on who's talking to him. right.
1: <clears throat> So that was the entire that was basically the entire purpose of this match. So, I just want to bring up a couple of things that really worked for me about this, which was, I love the way that how this entire episode was based around building up Ushiwaka only to take that away from us at the very end. like... We see throughout this episode everything that makes Ushiwaka just this perfect player. We see how he's able to... How his left-handedness it just throws everybody off their game. But it's not just necessarily how he's left-handed how he's left-handed is why he's good. He's also... He, there's a moment where he goes up to serve and they're like, Okay, so he's serving now. Clearly he can't be that great at that. They even draw a comparison to Oikawa from the previous seasons where Oikawa was this was this perfect perfect technical server and then they're like okay well Ushiwaka has a lot of power but clearly his his serves can't be nearly as powerful as that or right. nearly as potent as that i mean no they're not but you still see how that doesn't really matter because his sheer power is able to still overwhelms them when he spikes or how when they get to a point where he has to receive, they're like, okay, well, he can't He can't be... Like, he's not the normal receiver. He's not a libero, so he can't be that great at receiving this stuff, right? And he's still not great at it, but he's still able to bring it back. He's still able to send it back just as effectively. Yeah. Like, we see throughout all of this how he just doesn't have any weaknesses whatsoever. And then at the very end, when they finally get into a moment where they think they can draw... Hinata and uh, Ushiwaka into one final, sh- not really a final showdown, but into, like, a showdown where he's going to have to defend one of Hinata's attacks, and they're going to take it from there. Another player jumps in, and I'm sorry, I did not get their character name. That is one of the issues of the series is that they go through character names so fast. But he—he's ha- the, he's the defender, he's the middle blocker with the red hair, yep. who just jumps right into the middle of their spike... And knocks it right back at Karasuno. And he's like, sorry, if you want to get to Ushiwaka, you're going to have to go through me. And what I love about that is that the entire episode is building up Ushiwaka as this perfect player that this entire team relies on. Only to take that away at the very end by showing us, no, he's not the only talented player on this team. He's not, you can't just solely be focusing on Ushiwaka.
0: Yeah, just because he scored half of the points doesn't mean he's the only one who can.
1: Right, exactly. You have a you have an entire team that you have to worry about here, and this is so... This is a really good way in which they are showing comparisons between how they had to deal with Alba Jose and how they have to deal with Shira Torizawa, because Alba Jose was yeah. a team that was built up throughout the entire series. And they finally got their big win against them towards the end. Whereas Shiro Iizawa is just this complete unknown. And we, have to, and we as the viewer are learning along with Karasuno just why they are such a threatening team.
0: Yeah, they've always been so good that Karasuno could never even approach them. They never even had the chance to play them before.
1: Right. And I just... I love how they are handling the drip of information about this team, because Ushiwaka was our only real semi-known character at this point from this team.
0: Oh yeah, none of them had been introduced other than him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just, I really like how this episode managed to really build up and hype up this, just the single player, only for us to, only for that big reveal that almost knocks us on our butt at the end. About no, he's not the only hyper talented player. We have a lot more to worry about, and Uchiwaka basically won that first set almost on his own.
0: Yeah, but he didn't need to. You know, there's other players who can cover for him. It's yeah. it was really fun. Um, I mean, Haikyu had had they have no dip in quality. If it's you need to start with the or the beginning of the series because it's a great series on its own but if you get up to here you're not going to be disappointed because the show absolutely maintains its momentum and uh the characters are interesting the cross characters still are trying to figure out how to compete it's interesting to see them um there's just it's sort of it's it's working on all cylinders it has a very well-developed crew on the Karasuno side that you just sort of get to enjoy how well developed they are. for right. now I think, probably moving forward, since they managed to do an entire set in the second episode, the points are going to start slowing down. I mean, we've been saying this the whole time that the points aren't going to come as fast as they have been, so who knows. But... I got to imagine the points will start slowing down and next week we'll start seeing more right. flashbacks for how the Shiratorizawa team was built. And how all these other characters are related to right. Ushiwaka and why they're there. So I, I got to imagine it's going to start relying a lot more heavily on flashback, which I'm actually okay with because I think it's, it's interesting.
1: Right, yeah, no, because I'm really interested in this team because we don't know anything about them and they're one of the best teams. Yeah. And uh, I kind of wanted to address something you said there about how we know the points aren't just going to start dripping in. That's actually an interesting comparison between the two teams that we got in this episode because we watch how, during, uh, during this episode, how Karasuno has to just keep trying and put all of this effort just to score a single actual point against Shiratorizawa, whereas... On just any time that Shiratori Zawa is the focus, they're just scoring points like it's nothing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, it's a really great and effective way to just show just the sheer amount, of, just the sheer difference in ability between these two teams. Also, just one final point I wanted to address address about Haikyu that, at least this week, was again going back to the animation here. Something that has always been a very strong point about Haikyu. But one thing that I don't think we give enough attention to, or a lot of people don't give enough attention to, is actually just the camera work during big shots. Oh, yeah. Like, there was one shot in particular that really stuck out to me, which was, or a series of shots. It was the first time Nishinoya uh, defends against Ushiwaka. What we have here is Ushiwaka, what we get is a face-off, a full-on view of Ushiwaka- hitting the ball towards the camera. It cuts to Nishinoya's eyes, just to give us a brief reference of where it's traveling to. And then what happens is, it cuts away, it cuts to the side, as we watch the ball go down into Nishinoya's hands, and then it bounces off the hands and shoots off into the stands. Well, not into the stands, but off to the side. And what's really interesting about this is the way that the camera is following the ball. Because the camera... Basically, as it's going down, as the ball is falling down, it does this very quick and swift swing around to watch the ball as it's bouncing off of Nishio Noya's hands at the time of the impact. Yeah. And what's really, what's really effective to me about that is that it's as if though the camera is aware that it's not the players where the momentum is going, but it's actually the ball. And I feel like that's something that a lot of sports series struggle with because they want to give... Because the characters are the focus of the story. They want to show how the characters are moving. You know, they're the highlight. But the animators are smart enough to realize that the action actually is going through the ball.
0: Oh, yeah. And all of the great shots in these two episodes with uh, Ushiwaka are... I remember them because of the way that the camera followed the ball, because you could feel the impact of the ball hitting off other players, the ball hitting off the court. And it was because they focused on the moment, where the momentum was and not on character reactions. Right.
1: Not just on the character reactions or where the momentum was coming from, which is the players, but actually where it's going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, overall I have no complaints. Um, before we wrap up, since we've just uh, we've gone through the first two episodes of Haikyuu, I'm interested if I can ask you two very brief questions. I can get your very brief prediction on uh, where the series is going to go. So, the first question is: um, Do you think that Karasuno is going to win this match?
1: And that's something I don't know. I I want to say yes because this is the first really. <sighs> this is the big, like, this is the big match that lets them go on to nationals.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they're devoting an entire season to this Right, (laughs)
1: and so I want to say that just based on on the tradition of sports series, that because this is the moment where there is no more room for failure. Yeah. And a lot of sports series will generally have the characters lose at less opportune moments, or, like, moments where... It's a big deal that they lose, but it's not the end. So, based off of that formula, I want to say no. Because if the if they lose here, then the story effectively has to end. Right. But Haikyuu has always been very good about surprising us. Like they did last season, where in their first big game against Alba Jose Or, oh, Alba Josai... They go up against Oikawa for the first time in a full game... And they end up losing. And you think that's the moment where there is no return. And so they... But they still... But the series manages to still make them lose. While then still maintaining its core cast. But upping the stakes. At that point. Because at that point there is no more moment for... They can't lose any more beyond that moment.
0: Right. I don't know if I'm
1: making any sense here. So I guess what I'm saying is... The short answer... The short answer is Haikyuu manages to keep the surprise going.
0: Yeah. So yes or no?
1: (laughs) All I know is that my gut says
0: maybe. Uh, Great answer. Thank you. Well, I say yes, they're going to win because they can't devote 10 episodes to a match they're going (laughs) to lose. And yes, it's going to go five sets because how else are they going to get? Ten episodes. Well,
1: obviously, we we both knew that it was going to go the yeah. full five sets.
0: Anyway, okay, well, that's uh, so we've got a maybe and a yes. So way to be dynamic and <laughs> bold in your predictions. Um, all right, I think that uh, more than wraps up our time for this week. It was great talking to you, Matt. Thanks for joining me. Oh, I'm happy um, to anytime. Yeah, and. We'll be back next week to cover week three of the fall 2016 anime season. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, And until then, keep training.